morning, good morning. Once again, welcome. Happy New Year. My name is Bruce Rokas. If you don't know, I am uh, one of the preaching and teaching pastors here at Cross Point. And uh, we're glad that you're here with us today. Brand new uh, Sunday of a brand new month of a brand new year, 2019. And we always like to start the new year off with a series. And we've done numerous series over the years, but primarily from uh, spiritual growth campaigns that we've gotten from Saddleback Church and Rick Warren. They've had tremendous success over the years. I was trying to think back at all the different ones that we have done. I think we started with 40 Days of Purpose. Remember when we all got those 40 Days of Purpose books and we'd read them together and then we'd go to a, we'd hear a message about that. Then we'd go to our small group and Rick would talk to us on a DVD or a video. And I think back then it was the video days. And then we'd have our discussions. Well, we're going to do something similar to that starting today. Although our growth groups will not start until next month. I didn't want to start advertising this or or sharing this stuff with you because the, the holidays had you too preoccupied. And so it's not too late. We're just starting today. This is sort of what we call pre-50 days of transformation messages to get you ready. And my goal is when we start next month that every single one of you will be in a growth group. Every single one of you will be taking part uh, and not you know, make an extra effort not to miss a single Sunday as we start this 50 days of transformation. And I'm, e- I'm even hoping that we have some new host families this year. Some of you say, well, you know, we, we can use our home. We, uh, some of you might want to say, you know, I, I want to be a leader. I think God has kind of brought me to that point to, to you know, I, I can play a DVD and, and I can read the workbook ahead of, you know, I'll, all you got to do to be a leader really is to be one week ahead of everybody else, right? I know how to lead a discussion question. And so talk to me about that. I, I'm really hoping that Crosspoint, our, our theme for the year is transformed and that the Holy Spirit will transform each and every one of our lives. One of the things that Rick says, we're talking about how God changes us. And Rick says this all the time. He says, God loves you just the way that you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. See, he, he expects growth. He expects transformation. Now, there are seven key areas today that uh, you need to know about. We're going to be just introducing them, and then we'll take one a week as we get into the, the full campaign next month. First area is God wants you to be healthy spiritually. So he wants you to grow healthy spiritually. Number two, physically. Number three, mentally. Number four, emotionally. God wants you to be healthy in your relationships. So relationally and then financially and vocationally. Those are seven key areas of our lives that God wants to be a part of and wants transformation. You know what the ultimate goal of this is going to be, though? It's to make us like Christ. You know, we sometimes talk about New Year's resolutions. I hear the average New Year's resolution lasts under 30 days. And we're not talking about a New Year's resolution. We're talking about a lifetime of becoming like Christ, being transformed. When you came to Christ, were you instantly transformed? No, it didn't work that way. Paul will say this in, in 2 Corinthians. 
chapter 3 and verse 18. As God's Spirit works within us, notice heavy emphasis on the Spirit, we are being transformed. Look at that word being. That means it's a process. That means it's not instant. Salvation is instant. We say this all the time. You are justified instantly when you come to Jesus. But sanctification, transformation is a process. It'll take a lifetime, but we will ultimately look like Christ. That is the goal, being transformed to, be, uh, to become more like Christ. This change from one degree of glory to another comes from the Lord. God does this. It's Him working within us. I like the message version of this. It says, our lives gradually become brighter and brighter and brighter. And that's what God wants for our lives. Now, the classic chapter on growth and change in the Bible is Ephesians chapter 4. And that's where we're going to be focusing the majority of our attention today. Uh, we'll see six elements in Ephesians 4, 11 to 32 that, that God uses, that God's Spirit uses to change us. The first one is this. You should have an outline in your, in your notes there. Transformation requires coaching. Coaching. Let me see the hands of anyone that's ever had a coach in your life. Maybe you played Little League or singing coach, dancing coach, soccer, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Music coaches. Well, that's true even of professional actors. They still have acting coaches. Professional singers still have singing coaches. Professional athletes with Super Bowl rings still have coaches and trainers in their lives. Because you know what a good coach will do? A good coach, he knows you so well, he knows your strengths. And he knows your weaknesses. And a good, a good coach will maximize your strengths and minimize your weaknesses. And, and if you look at the Bible, I, I loved how Keith took, took a look this morning at communion about all those people that needed second chances. Well, I want to look at some people that had coaches in their life. You remember Joshua? Joshua, who led the children of Israel into the Promised Land. They crossed the, the, the Jordan River on dry land, and went to the other side. And you say, well, wasn't that Moses? No, Moses crossed the Red Sea, but Joshua crossed the Jordan River and led the people in. Moses never made it to the Promised Land. That became Joshua's job. But who coached Joshua to get him ready for that task? Moses did. Moses was the coach in that situation. The great prophet Elisha had the great prophet Elijah coaching him. Uh, king Solomon had a king named David, his dad. Who coached him? Who coached King David? The great Samuel, the prophet Samuel, coached David. And, and then the 12 apostles, I guess they had the greatest coach of all. Do you remember his name? Starts with a J, ends with an S. Jesus! <laughs> Jesus did such a great job of training these 12 guys that you and I are here today believing in Jesus because they did their job so well because they had such a great coach. And one of those apostles... His name was Paul. Look up here on the screen. He writes a letter to a young preacher boy named Timothy who he coached. Watch the generations here of coaching that gets passed on from one generation to the next. Paul's one generation. Timothy, that's two generations. I want you to take the things I've taught you, that I've coached you in, right? You see that? And pass them on to other faithful men. That's three generations who will be able to pass them on to others. That's four generations of coaching, 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 who pass them on to others, who pass them on to others, who pass them on to others. How do we know that happened? Because look, we're here today. 
See why you need a coach? If you're serious about transformation this year, you say, this is the year things are going to change. This is the year my life is going to get different. You need a good coach. Now, in the Bible, we read about five different kinds of group coaches in his church. From Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 13, uh, we read this. Christ gifted some of us to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, I want to focus on these three right here. See the evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Those are the gifts that God has given. Those are sort of the coaches, if you will, that He's given to the church. Why did He give those coaches? So that His people, that's you, so that His people would learn to serve and his body would grow strong. Key words, learn to serve. Are you serving right now in a ministry? Well then, if you're not, your coaches have done a very good job. We need to do a better job. But one of the reasons we have, I start thinking, 101, 201, 301, 401. Did you know that we call those classes? Class 101 through 401 is really an acronym for Christian Life and Service Seminars. They're designed to help you to serve. And I know that those classes are taking place. I hope you're taking advantage of those because that's what these pastors, evangelists, and teachers are there to do. They're there to help you to serve. Not only serve, he wants the church to grow. And he doesn't just want it to grow, he wants it to grow strong. And this will continue until we're united by faith and understanding of the Son of God. Then we will be mature just as Christ is, and we will be completely like Him. If you're serious about your life, get a coach, get a trainer, partner up with somebody. We, a year or so ago we called them mentors. And, and they don't have to be spiritual giants. Really, none of us are. They just need to be one step ahead of you. And head on out. Get started. Number two, transformation requires learning the truth. Jesus says, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. It'll set you free from many things. Not just from your sin problem, but a whole lot of other problems that you have in life. Well, one of the last things Jesus said before he died on the cross, he's in the garden, and John chapter 17, 17, he writes these words. Jesus says, Use the truth to make them complete. That means mature. Your word is truth. The secret to personal change is not willpower. It's knowing and applying the truth. And that comes where? From the word. Now here's the goal. Ephesians 4, 14 and 15. Then, then once we know the truth, then we will no longer be like children forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone told us something different or made a lie sound like the truth. You know what drives me crazy? We talked about this in my Bible class this morning. We get our kids in Sunday school and we talk to them about Jesus, we talk to them about God, but we never give them all the tools that they need. And then we send them off to a public school or maybe a public university where some ungodly professor just rips their faith apart because they're not equipped. And they lose their faith. Or it's shaken to the core. 
And they're kind of wishy-washy pulses. So you don't want this. I give pastors, evangelists, teachers, so that this won't happen. I want them to be strong and grow strong. I don't want them to be wishy-washy, changing their mind. You know, I'm in today, I'm out tomorrow. I follow Moses, and then I follow Apollos. No, now I follow Jesus. No, he, he wants them strong. Instead, we hold on to the truth in love, becoming more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. So why is truth so important? Not just the saving grace truth about Jesus, but the truth about our lives. Behind every self-defeating behavior is a lie that I'm believing. You get certain hurts, habits, and hang-ups in your life, certain self-defeating things that you do. There's a lie behind that about myself, you know, I'm never going to mount anything. Maybe you got a script growing up from you know, maybe even a, a parent that said, uh, you're no good. You're never going to mount anything. And you know what? That got in there. And that lie about you is like a tape recorder going around and around and around. And you keep repeating that lie. And just when you start to break out of the mold and you start to get ahead, oh no, I'm not supposed to be ahead. And then that self-defeating behavior comes back into your life about others about god you know uh god must not really care about me because i see everyone else doing well look at me look at the way he made me or why would god allow that and then we have a self-defeating attitude toward god we don't turn to god with our problems or about life or about success only rich people can be successful and i'm not rich and so therefore therefore i'm going to be a failure that is a lie from the devil your past your present your future you know maybe your past hasn't been that great (laughs) look at the apostle paul but your past does not have to equal your future I I guess I should have said, look at Saul of Tarsus as the past and look at Paul the Apostle as the future. Does that now make more sense? Your past does not have to equal the future if you want to change your life. You've got to identify the lie that you're believing and say, well, you know what? That is just not true. I'm not going to believe that anymore. And then you start to make the change. Jesus said, I am the truth. Paul put it like this in Ephesians 4.21. Since you have heard all about Him, you have learned the truth that is in Jesus. And you know, one of the names of Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word became flesh. Jesus is the Word. And every time we read the Word, we're reading the words of Jesus. That's where the truth is found. You can rely on the truth. Paul, back to that preacher boy, Timothy, writes this. and He says in Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures inspired by God. And so when you're reading this, I want you to understand something. It's all true. There are no lies in here. What God is telling you is telling you because He loves you and because this contains the truth. The world's going to lie to you. The world's going to make you sound stupid what really... In God's eyes, the world is stupid. This is all inspired. And the word inspired comes from the terminology, God breathed. All Scripture is inspired by God and it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives 
Haven't had the Word of God ever like, wow, this is true, and I can see now where I was wrong, where I got off the path. It straightens us out, and it teaches us what to do right. Keep going. How to get back on the path. It is God's way of preparing us for every way, fully equipped for every good work God wants us to do. And so really that passage says four things. It shows us the path, because the Bible's true, right? This is the best way to live, the only way to die. But then it shows us how we got off the path because of our sin. But then it shows us the way to get back on the path because of Jesus Christ. And then it shows us how to stay on the path. It's all found in the Bible. It's all found in the truth. Number three, if you're going to be transformed, it's going to require new thinking, a whole new way of thinking. Because the way you think will determine the way you feel, and the way you feel will determine the way that you act. Now that could go either way, good or bad, plus or minus, but it's kind of up to you. The, Bible is, or the battle is won or lost in your mind. And if you really want to be transformed in this brand new year, 2019, then you can't be conformed to the world anymore. There's got to be a new way of thinking. Paul put it like this in Romans 12 too. Do not, there's a big old not there, be conformed to the values and opinions of this world. Let, instead, let God transform you. Now notice the emphasis, the heavy lifting, I see this, is through the Holy Spirit and through God. Let God. What's that mean? It means you can't do it on your own. It means you've got to cooperate with God. Let God transform you by teaching you the right and true way of thinking. Look at 1 Corinthians 3.19 up here. He puts it like this. The wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. Think of the smartest man, the wisest man. Think of, you know, theory of relativity. You know, God says, (laughs) who do you think came up with that? And that's nothing compared to what I know. What the world calls smart, God calls stupid. So we need to start thinking a different way. Not worldly, but spiritually. And that has to start in our minds. So, knowing this, we can move on to Ephesians 4, 17, up here on the screen. Don't keep living as the ungodly do, for they are hopelessly confused in their thinking. Their closed minds are full of darkness. Have you ever met someone who was so closed-minded that you just could not break the ice? You could not get in. They Don't hit me with that God stuff. I don't want to hear about it. And, and their hearts become so hardened. Paul will say to Timothy, there are some people that get so hardened that they become like a, a seared iron. It's just really tough to break through. They're hopelessly confused in their thinking. Their closed minds are full of darkness. They're far away from the life God gives because they have shut their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They don't care anymore. You ever met someone like that? I, I talk to people on the streets. We get people coming to the door. We got people, well, you've seen them sleeping on our property or whatever. <laughs> they don't care anymore. And they've indulged themselves in all kinds of immorality, evil thinking, and the constant desire for more and more and more. More and more and more of the world's not going to get you anything but hell. You want heaven? We've got 
we got we got to we got to change our thinking. We got to move in a whole new direction. We got to move toward a new way of thinking. Now, this passage here, it was written 2000 years ago, but that sounds like it could have been written yesterday, right? I mean, our our world, you know, we live in a world that calls good evil and evil good. Uh, we live in a world today that, I mean, the changes, I can't keep up with the changes. I mean, they're talking about putting out driver's license and birth certificates birth certificates with gender neutral. You know what I'm talking about? Have you heard about this stuff? You know, it's like crazy. Uh, you either had a boy or a girl. <laughs> you know, no, 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 that's just being too, you know, you know, you're just, you're not, minds aren't open enough. What the world calls smart, God calls stupid. You know, my Bible says God created him male and female created he them i'm sticking with that okay call me politically incorrect i'm not going to think the way of the world i'm going to i'm going to believe the truth i'm going to follow the bible that's going to be my guide that's going to keep me on target that's going to keep me transformed ephesians 4:23 says that there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and your attitudes and, you know, that's why daily prayer and quiet time is so important. Oh, and let me mention this. I brought this up here with me. Do you see the books this year that we're getting? Aren't these nice? You know, these are really cool uh, workbooks. You're going to need one of these every time you go to a growth group. Oh, by the way, they're on sale today. They're only $10. And you can see my good friend, Vicki, Sister Vicki, Sister Vicki Mohawk, who's raising her hand over there. She's going to be back at the guest services booth today. And uh, you can even start signing up for a growth group. Uh, we got some that are developed, some that aren't developed. Uh, if the nights that we have or the times that we have right now aren't ready, uh, then just put your name down and we'll figure something out as we get more and more leaders and hosts. Uh, these come in both English and Spanish. And so we're going to have, I know of at least two Spanish groups that are going to be going on. But if you're going to be transformed, you're going you're gonna to need... In that 50 days, a daily quiet time with God. And guess how many daily devotionals come in this book? 50. 50 days of transformation. I like what one version says. It says, uh, let the Spirit change your way of thinking. You know what we'd rather do than let the Spirit change our way of thinking? I think we'd just rather change the way we act. You know, I think I'll just act differently this year. And, and that will be my change. My New Year's resolution is I'm going to put the shopping cart back after I use it, you know, instead of leaving it there. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> That's sort of an outward change, but if it's not coming from an inward heart, it's not going to do you any good, all right? My wife's got a hang-up about this. Man, if you leave one next to her car when she pulls in and you're still around, she will let you know about it. Let me tell you, you don't want to be around when that happens. But, you know, I am, since I know she's that way, I have been more and more trying to be that way. Now, yesterday it was raining, and I didn't take it back. I just left it where it was. But what if I did take it back? It's an outward change. It's not coming from an inward motivation. It's not coming from the fruit of the Spirit. And my Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. It's kindness, it's meekness, it's self-control. I'll just be more kind this year. And you just start doing acts of kindness 
But if it's not coming from the heart, it's like a, a tree that you just tie fruit onto and it's not producing fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is an inward thing. The fruit of the Spirit is an inside job. Uh, let me explain it this way. In our backyard, we have a Meyer lemon tree. And this time of the year where we got lemons on it. And it's a neat time of year because you need a lemon for something. You go out and get a fresh lemon, pick it, chop it, use it. And it's wonderful. But there's a certain time of the year that has no lemons on it. What if during that certain time of the year I was to go to the store and buy some lemons and went out to that tree and tied those lemons onto the tree? And then called, hey, Jay, come out in the backyard. You've got to see this. Look at all the lemons our tree has. We never have them this time of year. She'd look at me like I'm some kind of a nut, right? What are you talking about? That, didn't pro- that lemon tree didn't produce those lemons. That lemon tree didn't produce that fruit. You just tied it on. See, that's what we try to do a lot of times. We don't use the fruit of the Spirit. We don't rely on the Spirit to help us change from the inside out. We try to change from the outside in. And it's never going to happen without God in your life. Oh, you can make some outward changes. But if you really want it to be an inside job, those lemons have to, in our tree, have roots that go down into soil and that gets nutrients and watering and then that nutrients and watering go into the tree trunk and the tree trunk into the branches and the branches produce what? Fruit. You want real fruit? It's got to come from the Spirit, from the inside, not just the outside. And so we're going to be talking about that. You cannot transform yourself to be like Christ on your own power. Number four, let's quickly keep going. Transformation requires cleaning house. And in 2019, some of you need to go clean your houses. And I'm not talking about the mess that, you know, your house is in. I'm talking about getting rid of some things. Look at Ephesians chapter 4.22. So get rid of. For some of you, it may mean to get rid of the junk food. I was talking to Jane over this weekend. I says, you know what? As of Monday, so that means today we got to clean it out. We're getting rid of all the Christmas candy that we haven't eaten, all the junk food that we haven't. Yes, the secret stashes that some of you have. Get rid of those too. I know which you know what I'm talking about. And uh, I said, you know that drink you you drink in the morning and used to make me drink and that stuff that tastes like turtle spit. I said. Monday, this week, I want to start drinking that turtle spit with you. So, oh, really? Okay. So, send me the store. got some more turtle spit and some ingredients. And I, I want to make some changes because one of the seven key areas of your life is not just spiritual, it's physical. And if, you, if you're serious about changing, there's some physical things that you're going to have to do. And so, that's, that, that may be one. The Bible says, get rid of... Your old self, which made you live as you used to. The old self that was being destroyed by its deceitful desires. We, we are so deceitful, and we even deceive ourselves. Where are you deceiving yourself? Oh, I can handle this. I can get rid of that. No, 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 no. no. You need a plan. You need God. You need the Holy Spirit. You need a growth group. You need a quiet time. You need the Bible. To get over those deceitful habits. Clean house for some of you may mean uh, blocking channels on your televisions. You know what I'm talking about. It may mean prioritizing your schedule to do less. 
You know, God would rather you do one thing that He's wired you up to do, that He's gifted you to do, that He really has called you to do on earth well this year than six things mediocre to lousy that you're really not wired up to do, that you're really not gifted to do. He'd rather you do one. Yes, your preacher is actually telling you he wants you to do less this year. And if you stop and think about it, you'd say, oh no, but we need him for this, we need people for that, we need people. Oh, we, need, we can't just, well, wait a second. But they're not giving their best, they're not doing what God's called them to do. What if we all did this year what God called us to do, and we really, we, you're, everyone's a 10 at something, and all of us gave a 10 performance do you think by the end of this year we'd be a stronger church or a weaker church? And so maybe we need to prioritize our schedules and get rid of some things that God hasn't called us to do and God doesn't really need us to do, but He's called us to do this rather than that. Figure that out. And that's what Class 301 will help you in a tremendous way to do. Number, well, there's another verse I got here. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. We must get rid of everything that slows us down. I don't know if they still make these things. But back in my day, uh, when I would train for, for, for football, getting ready for uh, preseason, I'd, they had ankle weights. I think maybe they have them now with Velcro. Back then, you actually had to strap them on. They were leather. And I would run with those things on. And then when you, know, when you get into the game, you take those off. Man, you feel like you're, you really can run fast and, you, and that, that kind of thing. Well, you wouldn't play a game that way with weights on. You take them off. Well, we're in this thing called uh, the race with God to accomplish His will and become like Christ. So take off anything that's weighing you down from doing that is the idea. Anything that slows you down, especially any sin that distracts us. So we can run the race that lies ahead of us. God has an exciting race for you to run this brand new year. A new year for a new you. God wants you in it. He's got, but we've got to get rid of some old stuff first, right? Now, why is it so hard, Bruce, to get rid of all these bad things in my life? Why is that so hard? Four reasons. Number one, because you've had them a long time. You didn't get all your hurts, habits, and hang-ups overnight, did you? You know, uh, I don't know if anyone in here smokes, but you didn't learn to smoke two packs of cigarette, cigarettes the first day, did you? <laughs> I mean, you'd be like, oh, geez, no, never going to do that again. You had to build up your body to where it required that. That's a bad habit. So if that's you, it's not going to go away instantly. In time, you've had them a long time. And many of the patterns that you've developed that you now have as a habit started in your childhood. And they may even have started as defense mechanisms, just a, you know, survival tactics. But you know what? You're a different person now. You don't need those anymore. You can get rid of those. You can lay those aside. And one of the reasons why we don't lay some of that childish stuff aside is because we're just so used to them. We're just so used to it. And so that's why it's hard, number one. Number two, because I identify with them. The fact is we often confuse our identity with our defects. You know, someone says, well, you know, I'm, I'm just a workaholic. That's just the way I'm wired up. That's just the way I am. And so you work and work and work, and you become a great success, and you have lots of things and big houses, and you lose your wife and your kids and your family because you're married to your work. We identify with some of our 
defects. I'm a passive person, or I'm an aggressive person, or I'm a passive-aggressive person. It's a defect. I'm an overeater. Okay, well, when you see yourself a certain way, you tend to become the image that you have of yourself. Do you understand? It's kind of like... Um, uh, you know about people, maybe this describes you, that gets nervous to fly before they get on an airplane. And they say, oh man, I just, I, I get so nervous, don't like to fly, but I got to fly, I got to get to meet family or I'm going to a funeral. And oh, and, and you're working yourself up. You, you, you're getting to the airport, thinking about getting on the plane, and now you're, you heard your flight is announced and the boarding call and you're getting your hands your palms are starting to get sweaty and you go man i it just seems like i always get so nervous and by the time you get on the plane you're in a full-blown panic attack why self-fulfilling prophecy (laughs) And, and it's all subconscious you don't mean it to happen but it's there that's the second reason why habits are so hard to get rid of A third reason is there's always a payoff. There's always a payoff. There's a reward. If you didn't do what you do, even if it's bad, there would be no payoff. But you do it because there is a payoff. Mom has prepared a wonderful meal for the family. And mom says, Honey, kids, dinner's on the table. Ready to eat. And uh, what happens? Kids keep texting. Others have earbuds in. You know, they're doing their Nintendo or whatever they do. Dad's reading the news. Kids, honey, I said dinner's ready. And then no one one moves. And finally, mom just goes and screams at the top of her lungs. I said dinner's ready. If you're not going to eat, I'm going to throw it. Oh, man, everyone rushes to the table. What does mom just learn to do? yell every time it's dinner time and scream and about everything can shame up there's a payoff they respond there is a payoff for even negative behavior number four and here's probably the number one really because satan fights it satan hates you he hates the fact that god so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son to die for you You know, angels, whether you're fallen or not, are eternal beings. And they're going to spend eternity somewhere. Angels desired to look into the cross. They didn't understand the cross. And to see that God loved us so much that God Himself came and died for us? Wow! Satan's so jealous of us, he can't stand us. And so the best way to hurt a parent is to do what? Hurt his kids. And what's Satan trying to do to you and me? Hurt the Father by hurting us and keeping us hung up on our hang-ups. And he'll plant little seeds in your mind. Ah, should I go out and see Vicky today? Should I get this book or not get this one? It does cost $10. And, oh, you know what? You're probably not going to change anyway, so why spend the money? Do you see Satan talking? Don't believe that lie. He hates you. And he's going to do everything he can to keep you out of a growth group. Some of you think, you know, I was thinking about hosting one. You know, we'd love to have meet some of the members and have them in our home. And um, and Satan says, yeah, but you know, you'd have to clean your house every week. And you know, you don't do that. <laughs> and what you need to say, shut up, Satan. Let's talk. Who asked you anyway? 
I kind of like a clean house, and I think I could do it for 50 days. <laughs> anyway. He's going, oh, well, it's probably not going to work. You might as well give up now. Don't believe the lie of the devil. Number five, quickly, hurry. Transformation requires honest community. And this is where growth groups come in. That's why you need to be a part of a growth group, because that's where you learn to open up and be honest with one another. If you don't get in a small group, nothing's going to change in your life this year. Not really. Uh, Ephesians 4 verse 25 says, no more pretense. Let's just talk to our neighbors. Tell our neighbors the truth. Tell them what's going on. Now be careful. Don't just start off in your growth group and say, oh, let me just tell you about my messed up life. No, no, no. Build some confidence. Build some trust in your growth group. But after a while, you'll connect with each other, and you'll feel comfortable sharing with one another. So if you lie to others, you'll end up lying to yourself. See, we waste an enormous amount of time pretending that we are one thing when we're not. I I told you the story about our family when we came to know the Lord. Uh, It was later in life for my parents. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking I'm probably nine years old, eight or nine years old. And uh, it, our family was a wreck. And we would fight all morning getting ready for church. And then we'd fight all the way to church. And then when we walked into church, we acted like everything was just so fun. How's the Rokas? Oh, great, great. Couldn't be better. And my brother and I, Joe, and I were looking at each like, what are they talking about, man? They'd have seen us five minutes ago. They'd say, you are one messed up, dysfunctional family. But then, you know what I kind of learned in time? All the other families were hiding it too. They were as messed up as we were. But no one wanted to admit it. And so therefore, no one got any help. I am so glad the church has now become to be open and honest with one another. No pretense to say, you know, here's where I need, I'm struggling. Here's where I need some help. Would you pray for me? Would you encourage me? That's a good verse right there. You need a small group to do that. Small groups is the one place where you can be real, and you can be honest. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and loving when you're in your small group to each other. I added the words small group. But when you're in your small group, don't go, oh, brother, I can't believe that that's their problem. No, be kind and loving. Don't be that way. Forgiving each other just as Christ, God forgave you in Christ. When someone makes a mistake, you don't rub it in, you rub it out. That's what the church does. The world's going to rub it in, but the church is to rub it out. Ephesians 4.29 says, never use harmful words. But speak only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs. So we're not being selfish. It's not all about us. But according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So if you've never been in a small group, I want to share with you quickly four ground rules. What's said in small group stays in small group. Amen? Don't minimize other people's pain. Number three, don't try to fix people. (laughs) Just listen. It's not your job to fix people. That's God's job. But it is your job to listen. It is your job to motivate and to encourage. And then number four, focus on my own changes. Focus on my, you know what? I've got enough problems of my own that I don't need to be looking into yours, all right? But I want you to encourage me and I will encourage you. And then one final thing, transformation requires faith. We must believe, we must believe, you must believe that you can be different with God's help. Three quick passages and we'll close. And when I come down, that's a good time for the band to go up. I can just read these from down here. Band, you can go on up. Okay, so I want to put up the next 
slide, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. It says this, Now by His mighty power, have you noticed the theme today? Who's got the power? God. Who are we asking for the power? God. Who are we asking to help us? The Holy Spirit. You want the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you've got to get it from the Holy Spirit. It's got to be an inside job. Now by His mighty power at work within us, where does it work? Within us, when we cooperate with it. God is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of. Infinitely beyond our highest hopes, prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. Keep going. Philippians 4.13 I can do. Ooh, I like this verse. We need, if you want to be transformed, if Crosspoint really wants to be transformed, we need to develop a I can attitude. Amen? I can, but not on my own power. You're not going to do it on your own power. I can do all things through Christ. That's the secret. Who empowers me? I am ready for anything through Him who infuses His inner strength into me. And one last verse, and we'll close with this. According to your faith will it be done to you. See, you get to choose how much God blesses you. You get to choose how transformed you're going to become. And my prayer is, that you choose Jesus and that you'll do it this year. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Maybe some of you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior yet. Maybe you're saying today, you know what? I believe in the Bible. I've I've been believing this for a long time, but I've been putting Jesus off for a long time. I'm going to start my new year off by putting my full trust in Jesus, my full faith in Jesus, and let Him bless me. And the first blessing you need is the forgiveness of sins. Faith means to put your full weight upon. Put your full weight upon Jesus and what He did for you on the cross and His blood to do that. Trust Jesus alone. Repent of your sins. Put Him on in baptism. You can do that today. Others just say, no, I know I'm saved. I know I'm a Christian, but I need to make some changes in my life. Heavenly Father, Let 2019 be the year that I am transformed. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing.